You are now listening to the MS podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. In this podcast, the brain takes center stage when Ole Petteriella, best-selling author and professional speaker, explores the different dimensions of MS and brain health through conversations with international specialists within neuroscience, psychology and physical activity. Multiple sclerosis is a disease that affects people differently, and knowing how the disease will develop is impossible to know at the time of diagnosis. MS has an unpredictable course, and the response to treatment varies between individuals. Hence, there is a broad consensus among neurologists that there is a need for a reliable biomarker that can monitor disease activity and predict future disability progression on an individual level. The question is, is neurofilament light that biomarker? Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Professor Finn Selleberg, an expert on biomarkers in MS from Elkshospitalet in Copenhagen, to discuss the potential of this promising biomarker. Is it reliable? Is it ready for use in clinical practice? And what are the limitations? Welcome, Finn. Thank you. So first of all, can you explain why we need biomarkers in MS? MS is a lifelong disease, which is usually diagnosed in people in their 20s or 30s or 40s. You live with the disease for many years. It's uncommon to die from multiple sclerosis. You live with the disease and it has a very variable cause. So obviously, when we treat the diseases with those many disease-modifying therapies we have today, it would be nice to know which patients need which therapies. And for that, we need biomarkers that tell us uh, exactly whether there's activity in the disease and whether the patient is at risk of worsening so that we can change therapies appropriately. So in other words, the biomarkers are important for diagnosis, say something about the prognosis and monitor disease activity and progression. Exactly. So we've used the biomarkers for many years, perhaps not really without realizing that they are what we call biomarkers today. We've known that there is intrathecal synthesis of immunoglobulins uh, since the 1940s, and they are now incorporated in the diagnosis in the, the form of oligoclonal bands. Magnetic resonance imaging is also a biomarker. So everything we see on MRI is something that tries to measure the impact of the disease in the brain and the spinal cord. And finally, we have uh, the new kid on the block, uh, neurofilament light, which is a protein biomarker, which uh, measures uh, damage to neurons and axons, and which is probably one of the most hyped uh, areas in uh, MS research as at present. Could you say something about the limitations of the current biomarkers we use, for instance, MRI and the CSF biomarkers? Well, the MRI biomarkers are certainly useful in diagnosis, and they're also quite useful for detecting disease activity in the form of uh, new lesions or active lesions, but they also have limitations. Uh, We know from histopathology studies that there is very widespread disease in the gray matter in the central nervous system, but that's very difficult to visualize on standard MRI. CSF obviously is a very useful biomarker, but it's not very practical. It's not uh, comfortable to have very frequent uh, lumbar punctures, even though with training, it's uh, not that much of an obstacle 
but uh, there is still a risk of headaches, uh, and some patients find it really uncomfortable to have a lumbar puncture. So it's not really suitable for routine work. So what we would like is uh, biomarkers that sort of fills the gap by being easily accessible and supplementing or complementing the other biomarkers we have already. And their neurofilaments are very promising. And I assume there is a cost issue here as well, uh, especially when it comes to MRIs, which are quite expensive. The MRIs are quite expensive, but uh, I must say, though, that uh, the uh, neurofilament measurements are quite expensive as well. The instruments for measuring are uh, not really suitable for routine use at clinical chemistry labs yet, and the uh, assay reagents are quite expensive. Furthermore, we need to sample uh, relatively frequently uh, in order to pick up all disease activity. So it's, it's not inexpensive, but probably not as expensive as frequent MRIs, though it is. But they complement each other. You talked about NFL as the um, new kid on the block. Could you say something about what NFL is and uh, why it's so relevant to measuring people with MS? Well, perhaps I need to qualify that because it's uh, a new kid on the block in terms of being uh, measured in, uh, in blood samples. But we have known uh, neurofilament proteins uh, for several decades now. The first Swedish studies uh, came uh, several decades ago and showed that neurofilaments are increased in cerebrospinal fluid during attacks of multiple sclerosis. So the neurofilaments, they are structural proteins. Uh, we have neurofilament uh, in all axons uh, in the peripheral and central nervous system. They're quite abundant and they're composed of a light chain, a medium chain, and a heavy chain. And the chain we measure mostly today, that's the light chain, but there are also increases in the, in the heavy chain. What we do know is that, especially when there is disease activity, inflammatory relapses, gadolinium enhancing lesions on MRI, you will see uh, increases in the concentration of neurofilament in the cerebrospinal fluid. That's been known for, for quite a long time. And it turns out that uh, these uh, increases are also reflected in the blood. There's been quite some discussion about whether this is due to diffusion of neurofilaments across a, a damaged blood-brain barrier or just uh, absorption or passage of spinal fluid into the blood where it's mixed up with uh, the serum. I tend to believe that that's a more important factor that uh, the neurofilament present in the uh, spinal fluid anyway will end up in the, in the serum where we can detect it by ultrasensitive uh, immunoassays. So I understand NFL appears to be probably the most promising biomarker in MS. Can you say something about what we can use this biomarker for in the clinic? Well, uh, we use biomarkers either as part of the diagnostic process as uh, prognostic biomarkers or as biomarkers of uh, therapeutic interventions. And clearly for diagnosis, we use MRI and uh, IgG or electronal bands uh, much more than NFL measurements. So what the NFL increases tells us is that there is damage to axons in the nervous system. And that tells us that there has been some form of disease activity or that there is uh, destruction of axons as part of a neurodegenerative process in progressive multiple sclerosis. 
what has been shown is that uh, increases in neurofilaments are somewhat predictive of future brain atrophy, and they are associated with uh, disease activity on MRI, and they increase during the course of a relapse. Now, the last finding is quite interesting because at the very beginning of a relapse, usually there are only minor increases in neurofilament levels. But uh, in the weeks to come, or after months or two, you'll see peaks uh, of neurofilament in uh, many patients, which we believe reflects uh, somewhat delayed da damage to axons as part of the relapse. And this means that one practical uh, use of uh, neurofilaments is to uh, detect relapses in patients where you are not quite sure whether some worsening was a true relapse or maybe just a pseudo-relapse due to an infection or variation due to uh, other uh, intercurrent events. Sanofi Genzyme is a proud sponsor of the Global MS Brain Health Initiative, where the aim is to maximize lifelong brain health for people living with MS, creating a better future for everyone affected by the disease. The initiative calls for greater urgency at every stage from diagnosing, treating and managing MS. Time matters in MS. Read more about the initiative at msbrainhealth.org. It has been shown that levels of NFL can increase several years before clinical onset of MS. Uh, can it be used as an indicator of a pre-symptomatic phase in MS? In other words, could it be used as a sort of screening tool? That's a great question, and uh, that's actually something we are also actively uh, investigating. So uh, if you have increases in neurofilaments in the blood, it tells us that there is damage to accents. It doesn't tell us why there's damage to accents. If you have a severe neuropathy, if you have early amyotrophic uh, lateral sclerosis, or any, any other disease with severe damage to, to accents, will have increases. But uh, for instance, if you have a setting with a young relative to a patient with multiple sclerosis who uh, is interested in finding out whether they might have multiple sclerosis, then we will often consider if there have been some sort of vague uh, symptoms to use MRI. But here we might also anticipate that we could use uh, NFL measurements in serum. We are we're not at the point where we really can screen for pre-symptomatic neurological diseases, but I think that eventually it will uh, be part of uh, blood uh, screening, just as we take uh, liver enzymes to screen for liver dysfunction. We might also in a few years' time be using uh, NFL to screen for subclinical damage to uh, the peripheral or central nervous system. It's not going to tell us whether it's uh, MS or another disease, but it will tell us that there is something going on. And in young people, especially young people with relatives uh, with MS, it would be logical that this is a pre-symptomatic or subclinical case of multiple sclerosis. And that in the future may have very, very strong uh, implication in terms of giving disease-modifying therapies at a time point when there is not even a disease yet. Exactly. Can you say something about how um, serum NFL levels correlate with brain atrophy? 
The uh, relationship between uh, neurofilaments and brain atrophy are there. If you have high levels of uh, neurofilaments, it's uh, predictive of stronger uh, brain atrophy five and ten years down the line. But it's not a very strong relationship. And uh, it's not really surprising because NFL is a dynamic biomarker. You might envision a patient who has just had a severe relapse. This patient will have increases in NFL. But if you wait for perhaps six months, then the levels will be back to normal again, unless the patient has had some uh, subclinical disease activity. So uh, if you use neurofilaments at a group level, you're going to sample some patients who have had recent relapses or have subclinical disease activity, and they are more likely to have future disease activity. And that, again, seeds future degeneration and brain atrophy. But a single NFL measurement at a single time point is going to have relatively low validity or predictive value at the individual level. But I would assume that uh, once we get to use NFL more in clinical practice, we're also going to devise uh, the right ways of uh, sampling at regular intervals in order to really predict the long-term prognosis in terms of uh, both progression, which is the real issue here, and uh, brain atrophy, which is uh, another biomarker of, uh, of a severe prognosis in MS. Let's talk a little bit about the clinical practice. How is NFL currently used today in clinical practice? I think in uh, most centers, it's not really used. In many centers, or in some centers, it's mainly used in CSF. We use it uh, sometimes uh, when we wish to uh, diagnose uh, patients where we are uncertain about the extent of uh, disease activity. One possibility is patients with a progressive MS where there's no sign of uh, activity on the brain scan and where there are no uh, relapses. If these patients have increases in neurofilaments, we know that they still have some ongoing inflammation. There's been quite a lot of discussion uh, about whether you may see neurofilament increases as part of neuroaxonal degeneration independent of inflammatory activity. But I think the opinion in the field is converging now on the impression that neurofilaments are a sign of inflammatory damage to uh, axons, and hence they are not measure of pure neurodegeneration independent of uh, inflammatory activity. But I don't think everyone will agree on, on that notion, but at least uh, many studies do support that that's the case. Can you say something about the limitations or challenges as to why this is not routinely used in clinical practice today yet? Well, for, for the CSF, it's obvious it's not that pleasant to have a, a lumbar puncture at regular intervals. But I know that there are, especially in Sweden, it's quite widely used even uh, for, for routine uh, CSF studies, and we do it uh, occasionally as well. For the blood studies, we still have some limitations in terms of having standardized and highly validated assays and uh, a complete knowledge about the normal ranges and uh, pre-analytical variation and the effect of uh, various comorbidities and other factors which might also increase NFL levels. 
it's not really ready for prime time, but we are close to having it ready for prime time. And there are also other companies now developing assay platforms which are more suitable for high throughput routine analysis. So uh, certainly in a few years' time, we will see that it, it will become a part of routine clinical chemistry and not something which is semi-routine and semi-research. Well, it's uh, obviously quite easy to understand why a routine lumbar puncture is not something you want to use in the clinic for these patients. But the serum levels, how do they correlate with the CSF levels of this biomarker? There's a, there's a decent correlation. The brilliant thing about the neurofilaments is that uh, the concentration increases are enormous compared to most other biomarkers we measure. It's not unusual to see 20, 10 or 20-fold increases over the uh, upper reference level when there's disease activity. So uh, it's very, very dynamic. But the serum levels are a bit more noisy. There's a clear correlation between blood and CSF uh, levels, but they are somewhat more noisy. So it means that minor increases over reference values may be much more difficult to detect. But then again, since we have so strong increases when there's activity, it's not that much of a practical issue. And the levels of this biomarkers that are age-dependent, do you have solid reference uh, values for different age groups? They're, they're being developed. There's a Swiss group uh, in Basel and there's a Swedish group uh, which have published uh, reference levels for several hundreds to uh, approximately 1,000 healthy volunteers. We're currently completing uh, another reference uh, set for 1,000 healthy blood donors. So uh, these values are emerging, but they're not the same for all assays. And there are some uh, practical issues in terms of uh, validation of the assays, but they are emerging and they will uh, will certainly be, be quite useful. And it's a very active research field. So serum NFL levels are not extensively used in clinical practice today. Uh, but how about the future? What do you think it will take to get there, to use this valuable tool in the clinic routinely? Basically, it will take a, a bit more experience with the reference values and clinical chemistry labs, which can run it on a routine basis. I mentioned before that if you have disease activity, you can anticipate that there will be increases in the NFL levels for a couple of months after that. So that means that if you really, if you really want to pick up all increases in neurofilament, if you want to pick up all activity resulting in neuroaxonal damage, you would probably need to sample three or four times a year. At our clinic, we have uh, more than 3,000 patients. If you multiply that by three or four, we are at some 10,000 samples a year just from our MS clinic. That means that we are really in need of a high throughput analysis at a regular clinical biochemistry lab and not at a semi-diagnostic lab such as our CSF lab. So to round off here, could you just specifically say what you think are the top three advantages and limitations respectively uh, with using serum NFL levels in clinical practice uh, for decision-making in MS? Well, I think uh, the real advantages is that the neurofilament levels give us real-time information about what has been going on in terms of severe damage to axons 
within the past few months. I think that's very important. It tells us something about even damage to the cortex, to the gray matter, which is very difficult or almost impossible to visualize by MRI. That will be picked up by increases in neurofilament if there's neuroexonal damage to the gray matter. And finally, it's so dynamic that you don't really uh, question the increases. If you have a reference value for a patient of, say, 500 in the CSF, then you could easily have, when there's disease activity, measures of 2,000, 4,000, or 9,000. So it's very easy to see when there's something going on. And the dynamic range in the serum is, it's, it's a bit more noisy, but still it's very dynamic there. So the ability to detect damage, both in uh, what can be easily seen on the MRI and which cannot be visualized by NMRI, and finally, the easy accessibility of blood. That's, uh, that makes NFL a very, very promising biomarker for the future and the very near future, I must say. And just to sum up, we have covered it earlier a little bit, but sum up the limitations, the three top limitations. Well, obviously, the limitations is the disappointment to some. It's not increased in all patients with progressive MS, and it's probably not a biomarker of what has been termed uh, neurodegeneration independent of inflammation, what some people think is the, the pure progressive MS. There you don't really see increases, so we still lack an explanation of why some people deteriorate slowly and relentlessly without having increases in neurofilament. So that's a, a major research question, and it's, I wouldn't say it's a black box, but it's something where we still have much more to learn. Well, Finn, thank you. It's uh, be really interesting for the clinicians out there to follow the research on this uh, promising new kid on the block, as you say. Thank you very much for this uh, exciting talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the MS Podcast by Sanofi Genzyme. <laughs>